0: Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. May that be our declaration today as we come together and we open God's Word. We're going to be—I just have to start it this way. I am so excited about God's Word today. Jeremiah once wrote in Jeremiah 20 that he was going to stop speaking about God. He was going to stop talking about God, that he was going to close his mouth. And his book records that when he did that, it was like a fire that was shut up in his bones— he felt that if he didn't talk about God, if he didn't, if he didn't share about God, uh, that he, he was just getting so weary. And I feel that's the message I have in my heart today. I feel that if I don't tell you, if I don't share it, if I don't get it out, I'm just going to pass out because it's so, it's so important to us today. I'm so excited about today's message Pastor Rick is not with us today. He is he is out of the country and he has asked me to, to share in the word today. And he came to me last week and he said, Pastor Nick, will you come and, and bring the word this morning? And I know we're in the question series because you asked, but and I know we have a schedule, but is there a question that you would like to ask that has been deep on your heart? And I said, Oh Pastor, yes there is. Oh Pastor, yes there is. So I'm gonna change the schedule and I'm gonna ask a question today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because for the next 40 minutes, we're going to do this together. All right, let's grab our Bibles. We're going to Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament. I'm not even at the right page myself. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 21. This is going to be our primary verse for this morning. We're going to read it. It's only nine words. But we're going to spend 40 minutes on nine words and what it really means for us as a church and us as married people and us as children and us as employers and employees. So let's read that together. It says, submit to one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Nine words, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul's writing to the church and he is addressing three groups plus one. That's how I'm going to say it. Three groups plus one. He is talking to husbands and wives. He's talking to parents and children. He's talking to employers and employees. And I would say that it's all in the context of us as the church and how we relate to Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What I would like to do is read the rest of the passages that we're going to look through. Just kind of to give us some application to set the context of where we're going to be. And then then I'm going to break down the passage. So I'm going to continue to read. So I'll start back in twenty one. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he goes in and says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, very important, so also wives submit to your husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleanse. Cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, "'and to present to himself as a radiant church "'without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, "'but holy and blameless. "'In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives "'as their own bodies. "'He who loves his wife loves himself. "'After all, no one has ever hated his own body, "'but he feeds and cares for it, "'just as Christ does the church, "'for we are members of his body. "'For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother "'and, and be united to his wife, "'and the two become one flesh.' This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the Word of God. May you add a blessing to the reading of it this morning. As we come together, as we open God's Word, every time we are looking at passages, if I'm preaching and teaching, I want to break those passages down, because sometimes I don't even know what the words mean. Like, I just want to be honest with you. So I have to go and break down the passage. So I want to look at that, break that down. There are a few words I want to look at, defy those, and then move along. So breaking down the passage, two words that I want to look at. The first word, which will be on the screen, is submission. Submission. What is submission? Well, the definition for submission is the action. So you're doing something or fact of accepting or yielding, or I would actually define that a little bit as a coming under coming under to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person the action or fact of accepting or yielding coming under to a superior force or to the will of a th- will or authority of another person so that's the first word we're going to look at that's the first word paul uses in our passage submit submit to one another out of reverence reverence is the second passage that, our second word that I want to define and look at. And if you can see it on the screen, yes you can. It says a deep respect for someone or something. A deep respect for some, someone or something. So here's the problem. Here's the issue of today. Society and Christians, we have a problem. And the problem is, we have a problem with authority. We don't want people, we don't want to yield to other people, and we don't want other people telling us what to do. We want to make our own decisions based on what we think is right. So the reason we don't submit is because we don't respect those who are in authority. And if we don't respect those who are in authority, then we won't yield, we won't come under, we won't defend, and then we won't communicate, breaks down the whole cycle, which in turn causes us to restructure the biblical flow of authority. So God has set up a biblical flow of authority for us to come under, for us to follow. And when we reject it, when we reject what God has put in place for the world, for us as, as followers, for us as people who are leading our household or leading the church, if we kinda just go outside of God's biblical structure, we kinda get out there and we start doing our own thing and everything falls apart. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Now in my context, and as a pastor, what I do is I minister to those in the age group of 18 to 30, and I do young merits, and we do campus ministry, It's a fun world. It's a real fun world. When I arrived here just four years ago, we had 20 people in the house. Now we have over 200, and God is continually adding more to the numbers each and every season as we faithfully go after what he has in store. But one of the results of a big college group is people get married. People get married. We have, we got we got so many weddings on the go. Pastor Kelvin and I did a wedding on Friday. We did a wedding yesterday. There was another wedding from our church on, fr- on yesterday. Next week, I leave, I preach today. I have tomorrow off. I come to church on Tuesday. Then I go to the East Coast, do a wedding. Two weeks later, have another wedding. Two weeks later, have another wedding. We are in wedding season. Because God is bringing the people together. And God is creating new family units. We want to celebrate that. God is continuing to build our church. So I'm just going to throw this out right now. I'm not just trying to be prophetic, but we're going to need some nursery workers. Just putting that out there. You're going to see it in a few weeks. It's going to be in the bulletin. We need nursery workers starting like on Tuesday when Jordan has her baby. So I have a question for us today. It's going to be a fun question. It's going to be a hard question. Some people might not like this question, but we'll pray for you. <laughs> so my question is not, why are you submitting? Because that's where every pastor goes. Why aren't you submitting? That's not my question today. I think the other, there's another question that we need to ask as a church. I'm not going to ask you, why are you not submitting? But have we lost our reverence? Have we lost our reverence defined as, have we lost our deep respect for those who are in authority, and for us as the believer, have we lost our deep respect for Christ? Have we lost our deep respect for marriages? Have we lost our deep respect for parents and our children? Have we lost our deep respect for employers and employees? That is the question today. Have we lost our reverence? Let's see if we can answer that question today. So we begin with this nine-word statement. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The next series of events, series of questions or or statements that Paul gives, he starts with women or wives, submit to your husbands. But I just want to pause right there. I know that's a touchy subject. I know most pastors want to run away from that. I'm going to deal with that this morning. and It's going to be awesome. I'm just going to tell you that. You can be happy about that. But I want to just really say, I don't believe that the biblical structure actually starts there. I actually believe that the biblical structure for how God has set up his, his universe, his marriages, actually begins in Genesis. So we're going to take a little trip back. We're going to go back to Genesis. the very first book. Genesis actually means beginnings. Beginnings. So at the beginning, head over to Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis 2.24. Head over there right now. At the beginning of the book of beginnings, God begins with structure. God begins with a structure. Let's read that together. For this reason, stop. Why? What does that mean? For this reason. As soon as I see that, I want to know the reason, if you're curious like me. Jump up to 218. 218 will give us the reason. 218. It says, God said it is not good to be, for man to be alone. If you know the creation story, God's creating these amazing things in the universe. He's creating all these things. And after he creates them, he says... He says, they're good. He says, they're good. This is the only thing in the creation story that is not good. And it's not good for man to be alone. He says, I will make him a helper suitable for him. And I say, amen to that. Because, you know what? It's, just, it's the truth. When guys are on their own, they get in trouble. I have, I have to picture this because it's, it's not in, in, in the writing's of creation. I believe that God, there was one day that God was just looking down at Adam, and he was was probably doing something stupid. Sometimes we, when we're alone, we have no accountability, we have no responsibility, we start doing dumb things. God's like, he needs a helper. He needs a helper. So he created this awesome woman for him. God created a new structure when he created woman. It says in verse 224, for this reason, man not being alone, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. This was the first marriage ordained by God and he officiated the union. It was God's design, God's direction. See the man and woman, the man and woman were both naked and felt no shame it says that right in the text. This was the perfect order. See, the man was leading and had great reverence for the Lord. He had great respect for the Lord. He was leading his wife. He had great respect. God put him in in the garden, 215, to work it. God gave him some uh, responsibility. He was to oversee it. God also brought all the animals to Adam. What a weird job. What is a hippopotamus? How did he come up with that word? Like, these words for the animals, but that was his job. And God was saying, hey, you're in charge. you got responsibility here. What do you think this should be called? Hippopotamus? Okay. Adam had responsibility. He had accountability. And he had a deep respect for God. You see, when the man has a deep respect, a deep reverence for God, he leads well, and he sets up the family unit to flourish, His wife and and his children will respect him and they will come under his leadership. They will yield to his authority because of the respect they have for him. And that respect doesn't come because he's a great leader. Most people want to be a great leader in their family. The respect comes when you're a great yielder. A great yielder to Christ. If you're a man in here and you love the Lord with all your heart, Hopefully, your actions are following. You're yielding to the Lord, Jesus Christ, and what he has said in his word. Not just by feeling or not just by what society is showing, but you say, God is my leader. God is who I follow, and what he says goes. That's the setup God has done. So when we jump out of Genesis 2, we go back to Ephesians 5, and we read, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord? Doesn't it make sense knowing that if the husband, if the man has a deep reverence for, for the Lord and he is doing what he is supposed to do, do, it's easy for the woman to follow? Wouldn't that make sense? If he was following the right way or the or the proper way? I I believe so. And and I believe that this is something we don't talk about too much in our church, we, in not just our church, in church, the church world in general. We're not having this conversation about biblical structure, and, and we're allowing the society to divine what the structure is the proper way. So I say, what is the proper way? Well, I'm going to answer that question for you. There's a pastor down in North Carolina, one of my favorite pastors I like to watch. Uh, His name is J.D. Greer, out of a a great church, a gospel-centered church. And he gives us four ways that a man was to have a Christ-like leadership role. These are four ways that men who are in Christ should be leading, should be doing a certain thing. So all the single ladies, let's get the pencils out. Let's get the pens out, all right? All right? Wives, you can take notes. But don't use them to bash your husband, okay? We're going to have some grace here today because we, we all need help, right? We all need help. And just a side note, what my, deep heart, my, my deep heart moment for us as a church is that we would get this, that we would get this, and if we're not in the place of where we need to be or if we've been falling short in some areas, there is, there's hope and grace in God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But here are the four ways the man was to have a Christ-like leadership role. Got your pencils? All right, let's do it. Number one, he was to lead in providing for her. That was the first thing that he was to do. If you look at the Genesis account, before God created the woman, he had the man working in the garden. The man was working. He had a responsibility. Before marriage was to be set, before this great union was happening, this man was working. Ladies, if he is 25, 26, God forbid 30, and he does not have a job, and he is borrowing his mom's credit card to take you on a date, you may want to wait for marriage. (laughs) Pastor Rick touched a little bit on that last week. I'm going to jump all over that because this is what I do as a pastor. This is who I'm talking to. This is who I'm counseling. He is to lead in providing for her. Providing for her. Quick garden story. Just a little side note. My wife and I, we cannot garden at all. Like, I... I think God has only gifted me in spiritual fruit. Like, that's all I can grow is spiritual fruit because of God. But there was this one story that we had. My wife comes to me, and we've been trying. We've been together for, for 20 years, married for 15. We haven't grown anything. We ha- we st- we've been trying, too. We had this one story. She comes to me, and she says, this was back in St. John. She says, us hey, I, I want a garden, okay? I need you as the man to go make me a garden. <laughs> she came to me with overalls, gloves, and a hat. Like, she, she, was, she was destined for this garden. I said, okay, baby, I'll go work in the garden. <laughs> so I get out there, and I'm digging a hole, and I said, well, how deep does this thing have to be? We both don't know anything. We're young. She says, well, the seed's going to break, and it needs roots, so it probably needs a lot of room for the roots. So I'm digging out there a couple hours. I have a picture. I don't have it here. I'm two feet deep. Like, it's over my knee. I'm only like four and a half feet. So, like, I'm halfway digging myself down. Our neighbor comes over and knocks on the door and says, are you burying a dog? What are you doing? I said, I'm doing a garden. She's like, what kind of garden are you growing? So, that was just a side note. Adam was better at the garden. He was busy. He had responsibility. So, back to the you, first thing you're leading, providing for. Her. If you don't know how to provide, get some help. You may want to ask some questions if you don't know how to do that, like me trying to dig a hole to China. <laughs> the second thing that he was supposed to do is, or was, and is, is he's supposed to lead spiritually. Spiritually, when she brought, when she was brought to him, he already had a relationship with God. He already had a relationship with God. He was tasked with relaying to her the commands of God and then leading her in obeying them. So we have, no, we have no story, we don't have no side note in the book of Genesis where God just pulled a seat up for Eve and had a tea party with her and said, Eve, this is what I want you to do. That didn't happen. God told Adam. Adam told Eve. Eve was to obey Adam. Adam was to look over her spiritual life, watch it, monitor see that she was obeying what God would want. So that was the second thing. Men, we are to be the spiritual leaders of our home. We do not share this responsibility because God is going to ask us about it. We are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our home. And when we go back to the Ephesian passage in Paul's writing, we see things like wash her with the water with the word. That was Jesus washing the church and making it radiant with the word of God. That means you leading the application of Scripture to your family. You leading the application of Scripture to your family. I can feel some people's pain on this. Because some of our women in the world and some of the women in our church are just amazing at God's Word. Like, there are women in this room who will come today, then, well, in the fall when it starts, come today, they'll come to small group, they'll come to prayer meeting on Monday, and then they'll come to women's group on Tuesday, and they'll be home, and they'll know all 613 Levitical laws, they'll know them all in order, they'll know the, the syntax of the Greek, and then I say, husbands, go lead your wife, and they're like, what? How do I do that? Like, she already knows so much about the Bible. That's my story. When I came in, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I came into Christianity later. My wife grew up in the church. She was one of those women. She is one of those women. She knows all these things. And I knew how to work. I started working when I was 15, and I haven't, I've always had a job, always working. But when I was 21 and I had some guys come up to me and say, hey, now that you're married, you're the spiritual leader. And I said, okay, what does that mean? That means you got to teach your wife about the Bible and make sure she knows and understands it. I'm like, what? (laughs) We are in trouble because I don't know yet about the Bible, but there's hope and grace. We are called to lead. So here's what I'm going to say. Men, if you have a wife like that who who loves the Word of God and knows it really well, here's what you do. You go home and you grab her hand and you say, hey, baby, I just want to pray for you. You say it with that voice, too. Got to be romantic. (laughs) I just want to pray for you. I just want to let you know how much God loves you, how much I love you, how much I'm thanking God right now for bringing you into my life. She'll look at you with tears in her eyes. It'll be awesome. You'll send me a thank you note, and we'll high-five it. See, watching her with the word means you become the primary mouthpiece, declaring to her God's feelings about her. She, oh, You're so valued. She's valued and cherished and precious in God's sight, with a bright future because God has a great plan for her. This is something we as men get to do for our wives. We get to say these things. We get to say, Hannah, just, I just want to lead you before the throne today. Here's a side note. I talk to my young Marys all the time. This is one of the things that I push on all of our men. I push it. I'm pushing it. And I'm going to continue to push it. That we as men pray for our wives. Not just say, hey, let me pray when we go to bed or over our meals. But hey, she's washing dishes and you come up behind her and you put your arms around her and say, God, I'm just thanking. I'm thanking you right now for this one that you have given me. Because there's something about the power of prayer. And I'll tell you about this because when, before we came here, Laura and I were going to plant churches that's what our dream is, was. This is our dream now. God changed it. But I was working with a coach, and he came in. And he, Laura and I were having a, a meeting with the coach, and he said, like, how often does your husband pray for you? He's talking to Laura. I'm looking at her like, you better say the right thing. He <laughs> <laughs> said, so my husband prays for me all the time. Like, he's always praying for me. And then he looks over with a clipboard. Like, that means it's serious. How often does he just wrap his arms around you and pray over you. She was like dumbfounded. Like, you're supposed to do that? (laughs) Never. I'm like, ah, we fail. (laughs) We fail. He's like, Laura, step out of the room for a moment. (laughs) Oh man, he got me. He whipped me. He went up one side of me and down the other and said, you're not leading your family. You're not leading your family. Just because you know a couple Bible verses doesn't mean you're leading your family. You got to lead there. You gotta lead in prayer. You gotta lead before your family, making sure that she knows and understands that God loves her and cares for her and that you are leading the pa- family closer to God. He says, You know what your job is for the next month? I'm like, Praying? He said, Yes, it is. He says, You go pray. You go away and you go pray. I have to tell you, something changed in our marriage after that. Something changed. Her heart changed. My heart changed. The way we led our family changed. And it wasn't because I knew more Bible verses. It was because I was presenting my wife to the throne, to the king. And saying, God, help me to lead my family this way. Because I was still learning. So sometimes it can be overwhelming. But there is hope. Husbands, let me ask you this question. What if your wife's identity was built solely on your compliments and encouragement to her? Let's Take everything away, but... What if your wife's identity was built solely on your compliments and encouragement to her? How balanced would her emotional life be? Think back one month. Where would she be at? Not only are we supposed to love our wives as God loved the church, as Jesus loved the church, but we're supposed to lead that way as well, demonstrating it. Here's something you can do, a little quick thing. If you turn over to Proverbs 31, i got it Marked. Proverbs 31, 10. Ladies, don't look. It's not for you. (laughs) We'll get to you. Proverbs 31, 10. Here's a, a little something for you. You can just take this apart and begin to pray this over her. You can just give this to her. This is a free sample from the Word of God. God wanted us to have this, a wife of noble character. Who can find Picture that, you're sitting beside a wife of noble character who can find. You just begin to pray this out. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. And it just continues. Setting this tone of passion for your wife. Setting this tone of passion before the throne. But also leading in all the other areas that God has called us to do. Setting up the biblical authority structure. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. The third thing he was to do, if you look at the reference back in Genesis, if we were taking apart Adam's life, was that he was to lead in romance. He was to lead in romance. The first human words recorded in the Bible were Adam composing a love poem about his wife. He was the one to be taking the initiative in in romancing his wife. It's going to be up on the screen, I think. The man said, this is now, this is Adam speaking after he sees his wife, or the woman that God brought. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That's a romantic poem. It might not sound romantic, because some of us can't write that well, but he was trying to express, whoa, she's awesome. (laughs) She's mine. (laughs) That mentality. You know, I, I have a little hashtag for my wife. I always hashtag, she's hashtag rib. I always say hashtag rib because she was taken out of man. She was she wasn't literally taken out of me, but back to the, the, the reference that she was taken out of man. And if where our ribs are, our, our arms, they protect them. They're the covering. So we're to cover and protect our wives, our spouses. And when we're doing that, and we're leading them before God, it's easy for them to submit to us. It's easy for them to say, yes, where are we going? But if a husband honors his wife by leading her like Christ led the church, leads the church. You should be the one budgeting and suggesting the date nights. You should be the one figuring out when the relationship is in trouble and when you need some counseling. But here's the thing, it's usually the opposite. Majority of the time, it's the woman that calls and says, we have, we're having some issues. Can we come in and speak? Can we come and have a, have a meeting? Come in and talk. I had one guy recently. One guy. He called me up. So if I say 9 eight, 10, so one out of the 10. Hes, "We're in trouble." I come in. He says, "We need help. I think it's all my fault, though." And it was, an honest, it was an honest meeting. He says, "I need to be a better leader, and I need some help on it." Right there, I just looked at his wife and she just melted. Not out of fear, not out of concern, but it was this moment where he was saying, "Hey, we are in trouble. I think I'm part of the problem, a big part, and I want to fix it. And I could see it in her eyes. She saw hope in her eyes because her husband was doing that. But usually that's not the case. So the husband is to lead in romance. And the final thing, he is to lead in sacrifice. In verse 31, Paul references God's instructions to the man to leave his previous life and cleave to his wife. We see this both in the, the Ephesians passage and in the Genesis passage, that we are to give away... We're gonna give up things so that we will lead well when we take on a wife. We're gonna leave our previous life behind and step up. When you think of today's day and age, like it's—I'm just gonna say it this way—it's hard for a man to leave the comforts of home. When you got mama making three to five meals a day plus snacks, you got dad coming home and they're like, "Son, let's go. We're going out. We're gonna do stuff. We're going out. Let's do. Let's hang out." Okay, dad. Like this is our house. Mom's making food all the time. My kids never want to leave. It is a sacrifice to leave and then say, okay, now you're in charge. But it's something that we're called to do, and we're called to do it with honor and grace before the Lord. Paul compares this to Jesus' relationship with us. Jesus left his heavenly home and laid down his life for us. Now we are to do the same for our families, for our wives. Just two things on this, though. Laying down your life doesn't mean that you just say you're willing to die for her. It's daily putting her needs above yours, using your power to serve her. It means that in decisions, I give her needs and preference more weight than my own because majority of the things that we talk about are not spiritual things. Not every day it's a big spiritual decision. It's more like, hey, after church, instead of going to Swiss Chalet, can we go to Eastside Marys, hon? Of course we can, baby. Eastside Marys it is. All the garlic bread you want. <laughs> Brush your teeth. <laughs> These big spiritual decisions decisions aren't coming up every moment of every day, but when they do come up, that's where you step in and say, okay, we're going to church. This is how much, we're going to go to small group, hon. We need to be in a small group. It's going to start next week. We need to, we need to dive deep this week. We got to rearrange our schedules. It's going to bless our family. It's going to bless our marriage. Knowing God's word, we need to, we need to dig in there. We're going to come to the compassion." the compassion tent week. You got the big trailer coming out. We need to go to that. We need to know how people are, we need, we're gonna sign up. Let's do that. We're gonna, we're gonna be part of serving in the church. See, these are some of the decisions that we make. To borrow from C.S. Lewis here, men in the marriage relationship, you wear a crown. But the crown you wear first and foremost is one of the thorns. And I know men in this room, this is, this is one of the reasons why I'm here at Calvary because of the men in this room, because they love God, and they serve. I tell you, when I came, the hardest part of me coming here was the interview process. It was six months long, because I was trying to figure out if we were right and ready for this church, and we, and they were trying to figure out if we were right and ready, and one of the deciding factors was when Laura and I came up for a secret meeting. We were sitting in the back, And at the end of that secret meeting, we went downstairs into the fellowship hall and they closed the door and they put a chair in the middle of the room and all the deacon men were there (laughs) with their wives. And they just shot questions at me about how I lead and and, and what I think about this and what about this type of doctrine. That impressed me so much. I walked out out of that room and I said, there are men in this church that love Jesus. No wonder it's flourishing because they're leading the right way. And people are following, and God continues to bless that. But guys, we we know and understand this. We don't wear a crown because we say we're the king of our home. We wear a crown of thorns like our Savior did. And it's hard work. It's hard work. And we use our leadership to serve. But if a man has no reverence for Christ, he has no respect for God and his commands, he won't lead properly. He won't leave properly. Quick test. Everybody loves a pop quiz. We're getting ready for school, right? Pop quiz. Who sinned first? Who thinks Adam sinned first? Put your hand up. I'm not going to actually mark it. Who thinks Eve sinned first? Hey, well, hands were shooting up on that one. Adam sinned first. Romans 5.12, through one man's sin, the whole race fell. Adam's sin, the Bible records that he was with his wife. He he failed in leading, he failed in protecting. The scene should have went down like this. Hey serpent, I gotta do it like in an Italian accent or something. What do you want? Like the Godfather. What do you want? Ask me that question. I can't do it, I'm just gonna be... (laughs) Hey serpent, just, I'm just gonna be me. What do you want? Ask me that question. No, God didn't say it like that. Get away from my wife. Protection. Get away from my wife. You see, I know God's commands because God told me, and I told her, serpent. <laughs> and I will not disrespect my creator. And I will not dishonor my wife by allowing you to trick her with your trickity trick tricks. So you get to step in to the side. That's how it should have went down. Amen. There was someone up there that was like, yeah. But we all know it didn't happen that way. And who did God call for when this went down? Do you think God came out and said, serpent, we have to have a little chit chat. He said, nope, Eve, oh, Eve, get over here. Nope. God said, Adam, where are you? Where is Adam? Hiding in the bushes. That's our role model, boys. He was hiding in the bushes. And when God confronts him about what had happened, what does he do? He blames the woman. He blames the woman. It was the woman that you put in the garden with me. It's her fault. That's a hard moment. And that's a hard man to follow. And at that moment, all structure broke. Because Adam stopped protecting. He stopped leading. See, the man is to be submissive to Christ. And in this passage that we're reading in Ephesians, he is compared to Jesus. Jesus is our marker. Not a pastor, not a pastor, not a politician, not the president of the United States. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one we fix our eyes on. Jesus is the one we take our cues from, guys. Because he is the, the second Adam, the last Adam, the perfect man. And we will never be perfect until glory. But Jesus needs to be the one that we pattern our lives after. And how he is loving his church is how we are to love our brides. A man who has great reverence for Christ will serve his wife in such a way that she will change. Paul shares that, the hus- Paul shares that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her a progression, holy, cleansing, by the washing of the word, water by the washing of water through the word. See, your leadership will change her. It will change her. Now, what if you're doing all this already? So we have to throw this in the mix. What if you're doing this already? What if you're, what if you're praying and washing her with the word and you're sending her text messages and you're encouraging her and you're asking her to, to, to just follow you and there's no response? Do you give up? Men, hear me on this. Resentment can set in. Don't let it have a foothold. Fight it. Continue To fight for your for your wife, that she should change and see you yielding, coming under Christ on her behalf. Lead your family biblical, lead your family the right way in the biblical structure. Men submit, yield to Christ, and then lead the family and wife, taking examples from Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now let's get on to the wives, wives and future wives. What does the word have to say for you? How do we submit? Well, we're going to go through this. The passage says it's twice, says that we should submit twice. So that means that it's important. And it also says in in 524b, in everything. So some wives can say like, do I submit in all things? Yeah, in everything. What it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that your husband gets to hurt you or abuse you. That's not okay. That's not okay. It doesn't mean that your husband is your God. It says submit to your God. Submit to your husband as to the Lord. That means it's a way of serving God, not that he is your God. It also means that you're not subject to submit to all men. It means submit to your own husbands, not all husbands, because not all men who are, men who are husbands have your best interests in mind. Not all men are good, okay? Not all men are good. But what this does mean, we will see in verse 33. It's a big thing. It means that we need to respect it says, respect him. This is a huge issue in marriages today. I have people all the time saying things like this. They're, I cannot make her happy. There is no intimacy in our marriage. She doesn't even acknowledge anything that I do for her and the kids. It's easier, not to fight. it's easier not to fight and ignore the issues. This can lead to a huge respect issue in the marriage. So I'm gonna give three ways today and then wrap it up, how we can respect and how... Uh, what does it look like to respect your, your husband? Three ways. I'll give you the first one. Allow your husband to lead. A lot of times, women can hear sermons like that and then come away from and then look at their marriage or look at their husband and, and say, well, he's not a spiritual leader. What does that mean for how I follow him? They ask that question. Well, what the verse doesn't say is submit when he is sufficiently a spiritual leader in your eyes. Okay? When if you guys are both loving the Lord... And you're in a marriage covenant together, he's the spiritual leader. He's automatically. So, what you can do is you can allow him to lead and you can help by calling him up. So, I'm gonna give a little tip for every man. Every man, when they're born, they always ask the question Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a leader? And some men have fathers that are always pouring into them. You have what it takes. This is how we follow the Lord. This is how we lead our family. This is how you are going to lead your family. This is, this is why it's important. So there's one type of man right there who's getting that constant encouragement from their father or other men. Then there are other guys. They, they don't have that. And they don't think that they can lead. And when someone tells them they can't lead, they believe it. They believe the lie. So what our wives can do in the situation is you can call them up by saying, lead! This is your job. You need to lead us. You need to lead me and the kids before the throne. I'm going to submit to your leadership, and if that begins by praying, okay, let's start there. Because like I said, when I was 21, I didn't know how to lead our family spiritually. My wife actually came to me and said, you have to make these decisions. You're the leader of the family. And I said, I don't know how to do it. She said, that's not an excuse. Go find out. Woo! I, right, I'll find out. So I got older men, Titus 2. I got older men in my life. Hey, how does, how do you, how does your marriage work? How do you do things? And eventually, it just, God just instilled in my heart, and I began to rise up in leadership, rise up. And then my wife just came under, and we were just rocking that biblical mandate. So you can call him up and allow him to lead by submitting to him and actually challenge him, challenging him to lead, encouraging him. What if you're sitting here today and you say, well, well, I love, that's great, but my husband is a non-believer. He doesn't believe. Well, the Bible actually has something to say about that as well. And 1 Peter, different author, says this. He says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Ladies, does your behavior display reverence for Christ? Can your husband see a transformed life because of Jesus? The way you love... And live tells a story. It tells the gospel. Allow your husband to lead in honoring in honoring him, and say, "Hun, let's do this together." The second thing I want to share is cultivate commitment. This is from Pastor Rick's book that he's been writing to us on how to lead uh, marriages. And when I do premarital counseling, I'll ask two questions, or I'll ask this question: How long do you want to be married for? Most of the time, they'll say, till death do us part. And other times, they'll say, I don't know, which is a red flag for me. That means I'll have to do some follow-up. I don't know. But the Bible teaches permanence in marriage. But people can sometimes treat marriage like shopping for a fancy party. They can go out and buy this beautiful dress, but they'll hide the tag, keep it on. So after the glamour and the lights are all done and the party's over, they can take it back. And sometimes we treat marriage like that. when, When the patterns are set and conditional love sets in, and we're we're trying to do things and we have certain things trying to meet these conditions it's kind of like giving back the dress we just want to bail out we start saying you do this and you'll get this and you'll do th- and if you don't do this you don't get this and what happens inside the marriage when this happens two types of men emerge the first one is what i call the tested and tried man he will test and try everything to try to figure out his wife and how to make her happy, to set those conditions. But here's the thing, women are very smart and they change the conditions. So men are always confused. They're like, I don't know what she wants. There's a whole book section on this if you go to the local bookstore. I don't know what women want because sometimes conditions are set. That's the first one. The second one is the timeout man. When I was a kid, when my, or when I have, my children were small, I'd give them timeouts They go in the corner. The timeout man is the man that just doesn't try. You don't love me? Fine. I'm not going to try. I'm going to still stay in the marriage. I'm still going to lead, kind of. I'm still going to provide for us. But when I come home, I'm just going to check out. You do you, we'll do me, and we'll be glorified roommates. And there are a lot of marriages in our society that are like that. But developing a deep commitment to each other in Christ will, cre- will create determination to fight for your marriage. When you cultivate commitment, it forces the couple to adjust and accept situations and then work through them. When a couple is in a hard situation, you're both working on finding a solution. You will grow together. But if one person is doing all the work, trying to fix the intimacy issues or the date night or the communication or the lack of encouragement and it's not received, guess what's going to set in? Resentment. Resentment will set in in the couple, and God forbid, compromise. You go outside the marriage. We see a common pattern. Women feel like there's not enough encouragement, intimacy, passion. So they'll try a few things, read some books. They try to implement some stuff, but nothing changes. So she stops respecting him. And he stops leading. And the biblical authority structure breaks down. So we can help by cultivating culture, cultivating commitment, commitment, just a question, and then I'm going to move to our wrap-up. The last month, in the last month, if the fuel for your man's leadership was based solely on your encouragement and prayer for him, spoken out loud to him as well, back, telling him, lead, I love you, we're developing this together, we're working on this, would his leadership be high-octane, like powerful and dynamic, or would the gaslight be on and the car is in neutral, not relying on gas anymore, but waiting for some dips and some valleys to pick up momentum? I think it's a great question to ask. Ephesians 5.33, however each of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the, and the wife must respect her husband. The story being told today with our marriages as we live and love is, is about Jesus in the church. Society, if society sees a warped version of the gospel when we don't submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and when they see the lack of leadership in us, disrespecting each other, it tells that Jesus the bridegroom who we as men are supposed to act like, well, that guy, he's not that special. And the church who's supposed to love him, who's asked him to lead her is consistently doing their own thing, saying and doing whatever believes is right in their own eyes and not submitting to her husband who is Jesus. Well, that says the bride really doesn't love her husband because if she did, she would respect him. Now, there is a, a breakdown that is happening today. Churches today care more about how they look rather than how they obey. How they look rather than they, how they obey. If you're attending a church that doesn't care about the doctrines of Christ, preaching the gospel and making disciples to do the same thing, but they care about being relevant and having a cool band, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you haven't caught this, catch this. You need to run away from that church. You need to grab your kids. You need to run out the door and don't look back. Because that's not the bride of Christ. Okay? The true bride loves her husband and looks for his leading. So the question today is, have we lost our reverence for Christ? Have we stopped submitting to Christ and to those who have called to lead us? I think that's a fair and honest question to ask. And I think this church is doing a phenomenal job at it. But we need more men. Because our our church is growing. So we need more men to step up like that and more women to set the example for our young ones who are coming in. Because school's starting, we're going to have a whole bunch of kids coming in very soon. So our church is doing a phenomenal job at this. But I'm just saying, we need more men to do this. Do this together. I think it's a fair and honest question to ask. And I'm stating the question, and the Holy Spirit will help us answer it. Maybe you're here today and you feel sad or angry about this topic that I shared, but please know that I didn't call you out by name. I'm not referring to any or any specific marriage, but maybe the Holy Spirit is calling on you today. You see, that's what our God does for us. He never leaves us the same. He too washes us with the word and we get to respond when his word is declared and when it goes out. We can respond in anger or we can say things like, God. Maybe I haven't been respecting you with the deep respect you deserve. Lord, I pray right now that you would help me lead better. Maybe you need to tell God, I haven't been supporting and loving my husband the way I'm called to. I didn't even know I was supposed to do it that way. God, will you help me? Will you forgive me? God, help me to use my words to call him up into his leadership position. Help me to to walk with him and help him. God, help me. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, God, help my actions and my love for you win over my husband and allow him to see your mercy and grace. Will you save my husband? Maybe you're here today and your husband's not saved or your wife's not saved. Maybe you say that. Maybe that's your prayer today. God, will you save my husband today? Will you change my heart, change my actions? And maybe you're a leader here and you're saying, God, you're praying, God, help us to get this right so that the world will see the beauty of being in a relationship with you. God, will you change every marriage in this place today to reflect the beautiful story of the gospel? Maybe it's one of those things you're praying. May God help us today to get this right. Because as a church, as Calvary Baptist Church, we're not going to push back on this. Because we love God and we love what he says. And we love what he teaches us. And we, have met, we are men and women who are, who are saved by Jesus. And we stand on the word. So we don't change the word. We let the word change us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we just thank you for this day. And God, we know that you're sovereign. We know that you see every heart in here. And God, so my prayer this morning for us It's not that you would come and just convict and hurt and tear down, but God, I pray that you would bring a soothing balm over the the relationships today. That God, that you would heal relationships today. That God, that you would help us to restore the biblical authority that you have designed in Genesis and and fleshed out for the churches and Ephesians. God, I pray that there would be some correction that needs to happen, even in my own marriage, in my own life, how I'm leading. God, I just want to present that to you today. God, I'm guilty of this myself. I I ask that you would forgive me for that. God, we're gonna talk that out more. God, I pray for our church today because we have so many amazing men who are leading well, following after you, but God, there are so many more that come into our church that might not know you or might not know this truth, and God, I pray that you would just put it deep in their heart today that that seed would be planted and that it would grow out of that today and that we would see a shifting and a change because we have declared that we will not change your word, but we will allow your word to change us. God, we love you, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. (laughs) Guys, as we leave today, I just want to close like this. Because of the fall, submission is a fight for us. We have to fight for it. We have to fight to submit to Christ, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in us. He is here with us. He is for us to present a change, to help us to grow. And I know everything in our marriages and in our society is, could need a little bit more changing, a little bit more help. So don't leave here like you've been hated on. Leave here encouraged that there is hope for our church. There is hope for our society. There is hope because of what Jesus has set up for us. And that is beautiful. That is the glory of God that is being worked out. We love you so very much. If you want prayer, you want to talk to the pastors, we're going to be down front. Have a blessed day. Amen.